Welcome to Divorce Diaries. My name is Michelle Trina, the creator of Divorce Diaries. Um, there's a lot of different parts of my, my brand. There's a podcast, a live comedy show, the television series, um, my social media content. Um, I'm a comedian. I'm an actor and a writer and a filmmaker. And my big central piece right now is Divorce Diaries that I've been working on for, for now, 2016. So what is that? Six years. Um, other people have used the name Divorce Diaries. Um, I did trademark it a couple years ago and it's hard because I don't like people use it or there's people th out there that have certain things. Um, and I don't know how to approach it. I mean, I, I have an entertainment lawyer, but like part of me is just like, I want to work with people, not against them. But at the same time, I'll bust my ass on this brand. And it's kind of like, what, what do you do? You know, you don't want to look like a dick, but you also don't want to get walked all over. Um, and that's kind of like how it is in a divorce too. Like you want to stand up for yourself. I mean that in general, that's what we want to do, which is why I feel like the show in itself speaks to so many people. My divorce diaries is about self-worth and inclusion told in a comedic lens about my life. I've always been on the outskirts. I have always been on the outskirts. Even as a kid, I feel like my family, I was born into the outskirts. We were the poorest of the other family members. Um, my dad didn't want to, you know, my dad wasn't able to pursue his dreams. My mom wasn't able to pursue her dreams because they decided to have a family. And when they told me that, I was like, well, this is a confidence booster. Thanks. <laughs> Imagine we couldn't pursue our dreams because we wanted to have a family. Oh, I don't know where my self-esteem issues come from. No, I'm kidding. I actually have a really amazing family who support my career 110%. But I am a lot happier now um, because I got divorced. And I'm going to do a little rehearsal here for my show next week in Punta Gorda, Florida, which is a sold out show. So I want to make this edition of Divorce Diaries the best edition anyone's ever seen, shifting it really more to be this solo comedic monologue for an hour and 15 minutes that keeps you on your toes. I am so happy to be in Florida. I'm from Jersey. And everyone from Jersey moves to Florida eventually. Either it's to escape the traffic, escape the weather, escape their spouse. We're escaping. I love, love, love being here. I am so happy. But a long time ago, I have to be honest with you, I wasn't happy. I was in pain. I was suffering. I was married. And I love, love. That is why I got divorced. Clap if you're divorced. Most of the time when I ask if people are divorced, they'll like raise their hand shyly. I mean, I guess I am. You're at a divorce comedy show. Be proud and loud about that. You know, you spend enough money at a divorce attorney. Sometimes I get the people when though who are very proud and they will sh you could tell how much a person has spent on their divorce by their reaction in the audience. Divorce three times, baby. Or you know, who's divorced? Three times. Like that person is skin to the wind, doesn't give an F. They've been through it three times. They should get a tax credit. If you've been divorced more than three times, you should get a tax credit. I don't even know if I could do it another time. Three? Can you imagine going up to an altar a fourth time? I mean, I, I give it credit. Like, you you, you are committed. 
I, seven years divorced and single. I am so good at it that I am now being endorsed on LinkedIn. Thank you. What if like you were to get a, a Yelp review on your divorce? Wouldn't that be funny? It was really good at first because I really appreciated my attorney, but then things went south when I drank too much. Would never repeat. <laughs> right? A Yelp, re Yelp review on your divorce. It was bumpy at first, but I left feeling great. I don't know. Um, I got divorced and I moved back home with my parents. Um, I'm Italian. Any Italians here? Good. Italians and Jewish, right? We have a lot of Jewish Italians. They have similar families. I have an ex-husband's family is Jewish. His one part of his family is Jewish. Um, they weren't happy with me about the divorce. They were like, oh my God. You would think that the Catholic side would be like, you're out. That's it. No more. We don't talk to you. No, the Jewish side of my married family was pissed at me. I was like, well, I could cheat on him. And they looked at me like, well, so. <laughs> I don't know. That's a new bit. Um, got divorced and moved back home with my North Jersey Italian Catholic parents, my 92-year-old Italian grandmother, my handicapped dog, and my socially awkward twin brother. I usually don't bring up my twin brother because he's that socially awkward and kooky that even a comedian like myself would not know what to do. Like, he's not funny kooky. He's like, you're going to get canceled kooky. We were the Italian Adams family, you know, I can tell, like my dog wasn't always handicapped. You know, I, you know, when they say that the universe throws you signs, well, my dog threw himself in front of a car. He survived, but his front right leg did not. See, we got my dog to fix our marriage and definitely fix the knowledge I had about handicapped dogs. But, um, and, and when, and when he got hit by the car, I didn't get the sign. I believe that I'm dyslexic when it comes to reading signs from the universe. Like I take red flags and I decorate for Christmas, you know? So we're in the hospital and the dog is on the little bed and I'm standing there with my ex-husband and he's and my husband at the time. And I'm going, oh, honey, we have to stay together now for the dog. And the dog was like. <coughs> and I was thinking, oh, look, he's happy. Meanwhile, my dog was like, and we and we get called dumb bitches. <coughs> I also uh, lived, so I also moved back in with my 92-year-old Italian grandmother. Not your typical loving Nona, though. My grandmother was born in the Depression and the youngest of nine. So you never could eat enough or work enough. And if she didn't get, like, everyone gets showered by their grandparents with love and affection. My grandmother showered us with working papers. Like, as young as I can remember, my grandmother was always asking if we were working. Right? Like, I was five on the playground. My grandmother would come over after school, and I think she was going to give me a hug, and then she'd put her hand up by her face and say, are you working? 
And I would say, huh? And she'd say to me, I'll crock you. Don't get smart with me. I'll crock your mouth. I'm so confused. What did I do? I was in high school, off to my prom. My grandmother looks out the window, smiles at me, puts her hand up by her face and says, are you working? No, I'm going to my prom. Don't get smart with me. I'll crock your mouth. Finally, I gave birth to my daughter. Everybody's congratulating me. My grandmother is in the delivery room, comes to see me, smiles, puts her hands up by her face. How you working? <laughs> no, actually, she put her hand up by her face and looked at my daughter and go, How you working? Thankfully, my daughter spit up on her. But my grandmother did turn around and say, I'll crock your mouth. The youngest of nine for her. This was not neglect. It was affection. Right? And if you tried to tell her it was abuse, you know what she'd say to you? I'll crock your mouth. My dad uh, and my, my dad and my mom were 45 years lovebirds, right? High school sweethearts, whatever you want to call it. Um... They're both really loving and supportive people, but they, <laughs> my dad is an old school Italian barber who loved John Wayne, Kirk Douglas, Dean Martin. He didn't want to be a barber. He wanted to be an actor, a filmmaker, but somebody when he was 10 told him, you gotta work, you can cut hair, it's legal, and this is what you'll do. Way to promote dreams. So my dad was a barber. Now, Kirk Douglas, John Wayne, and D. Martin are great performers. But when you're in high school, this is not what you roll up to drop off playing. And my dad, with his own impulsivity, didn't know how to control this. In fact, Spartacus was one of his favorite movies. Who remembers this movie? Okay, and Spartacus was a slave who revolted against uh, the Roman Empire, for lack of a better um, understanding of the movie. He was like, fuck you, I'm not a slave, I'm going to fucking bitch slap all of you people with my other slaves and we want freedom. Right, who does not want to stick up for the underdog? Like Everyone's going to cheer for this guy. So I get the movie, it was amazing, but my dad would like want... To- my dad lived like a slave in his brain as a barber because he hated his job, right? How many of you hate your job? Right. So you feel almost like a slave to the job. Right. And and I don't know if this is an appropriate term nowadays, but that's how he felt. He felt like Spartacus and all he ever wanted to do was stand up on top of a barber stool and scream, I'm Spartacus, just to like let everybody know, you know, because to him saying I'm Spartacus meant fuck you. I'm going to do whatever I want because I'm free. Right. Everybody, I think that's like a big theme of today. Like, look what's going on the opposite side of the world. Like, why are you trying to oppress me? I just want to be free. Right? Even in marriage. Like, that's what I felt. Like, I was like, I just want to be free. I hate you. (laughs) So when I got divorced, I mean, so there's so many moments in my life that I want to scream I'm Spartacus. But, like, my dad always screamed at the most inopportune times, you know? Like, at my dance recitals. 
everyone would have their little camcorders clapping and my dad would stand up at the end of the clap and yell I'm Spartacus what just he was proud he was you know loving but he just didn't get where that needed to go and that's where he would say it because he saw me living my dreams so he kind of connected the two but no one else got it so college graduation the president's about to speech my dad shouts out i'm spartacus when you really like a guy and he comes over to pick you up for the prom or for like a date or something and you know you don't want your dad to embarrass you so all i kept saying is that please do not scream i'm spartacus please do not scream i'm spartacus and so because John Wayne was another one of his fans and Dean Martin was another one of his fans, he decided to choose another theme title. And he screamed that out. You know, like Dean Martin would sing, he would sing Dean Martin wherever we went. Arriva Derci Roma. Goodbye, goodbye to Rome. People don't want to hear this in Patterson. Uh, People don't really want to hear that when you're rolling up to freshman orientation in college. You know? Your daughter's preschool. Your first daughter's first day of preschool. She comes, she wakes up and there's guns blaring off of the television screen. Dad, um, this is an appropriate program for uh, my three-year-old. What's wrong with John Wayne? Killed some bad people. This is not what we are learning in Miss K's fourth, uh, Miss K's pre-K four class. And my mom would help me control my dad's impulsivity. You know, Italian women—they get frustrated with men. You know, I think we all get frustrated with men. Let's be honest, but. Frank, stop it. You're embarrassing her. Jesus Christ, I can't take you anywhere. But the second they're not with each other, like they're moaning about how they miss each other. Oh, I miss your father. And then when they show up, why are you wearing that? My mom is so neurotic that she gives... Okay. My mom is so neurotic that she gives Xanax anxiety. She's an amazing woman, but she'll find anything to worry about like you'll have the best news to tell her and she'll find something to fear from it hey mom i just got sold out in florida what does that mean michelle does that mean you're going to be gone longer how much money are you really making do you know how expensive the flights are going to be who's watching your daughter she's going to be with her dad isn't she well that's going to be great when you come home make sure that he feeds her you get it you know like Name something you, you, uh, you don't know, like, um, any news that you have to celebrate. Like, who's celebrating an anniversary? Oh, how many years? 25 years. Oh, my best friend's daughter lives across the street from my sister-in-law's brother's house. Had a 25th wedding anniversary, and they all died in a car accident afterwards. Isn't that horrible? But I'm just saying that that's really a moment that you have to say, thank God. You know, thank God for Jesus, because 
25 years is a long time. I, I, the only thing that my mother didn't turn into a fear was when I got divorced. She she acted as if I was getting married. My mom and dad did not think that my ex-husband was the one for me. Ever since I, and, and you know, to this day, my mother will never like speak highly of him because of what he did the first day that she met him. You know, I offered him a Like I'll tell my mom, hey, I got a manicure. Oh, what place did you go to? Oh, that place is, you know, I'll tell my mom I got a manicure. And the first thing out of her mouth will be, what place did you go to? Because some of those places don't clean their instruments. You can get a fungus on your fingernail. You have to have your whole amp hand amputated. Who's going to watch your daughter when you have your hand amputated, Michelle? Then you, you get mad at me if I don't tell you, huh? It's because you don't listen to me. This is why these things happen. Did you eat? My parents were married for 45 years, happily in love, love at first sight. Uh, my marriage was dead at first sight. I need your help. Every time my dad tells this story, he gets off task. So every time he gets off task telling the story, I need you to scream his name, Frank. I met your mother at the diner. So at home, when you're listening to this rehearsal of my show, please scream Frank. Feel free to. I met your mother at the Madison Ave Diner. In Patterson, where we used to live, and you and your brother were 18 months old, and Aunt Millie was married to Uncle Mike, and we lived above them, and that bump, thank God she divorced him, charged us way too much money for rent. She was wearing a red sweater that she got at Macy's, that's now the Willowbrook Mall, where I got a flat tire two weeks ago, because damn Dom didn't check my tire pressure the way he normally does. I have a tire pressure gauger at home. Dad. She was drinking a root beer float. The best root beer floats this place had. Not like that goddamn Carvel. They don't give you enough root beer. They don't give you too much ice cream. It's just a mess. That. And I knew. I said to myself, that's the woman I'm going to marry. And he did. A week later, they met at a dance, and they've been dancing ever since. They were the first up at a wedding, at a birthday celebration, always dancing. I became a dancer because of the heavily rooted dancer genes I have through my parents' love. My parents were the epitome of that song from Whitney Houston, you know. Oh, I want to dance with somebody. I want to feel the heat with somebody. That song is my mantra. I go through life. I have gone through life looking for that Man, who is going to make me feel, or uh, who that, um, I have been going through my life. I've been waiting my whole life to find the right man, the man that is going to make me feel like that song. You know, when she sings, when I want the man to call me like the night, like she says, when a night falls, I want that man the lo to call my lonely heart. Oh, I want to dance. See, I've been mighty my whole life for the man to come along and make me feel like this song. The clock strikes. 
The hour begins to fade. You know, like you can't, you hear this song every time you're in the grocery store too, for some reason. This is the theme song of the grocery store. When you're looking through the cereal aisle and when the night falls, my Cheerios call. I have been waiting my whole life for the man that's going to make me feel like this song. You know? Feel it. Feel it in your body. My parents had this. So ever since my parents told me this love story of, you know, how it's love at first sight, every man I meet, the first time I meet them, I think, well, this is going to be the one. This kind of story is amazing, but it does not serve you well when you're dating in the 90s. Okay? In middle school, you know, remember the butterfly? I'm at the, I'm doing the butterfly. And when the night falls, my loneliness calls. You want to dance? You're flat wasn't developed yet I didn't get my period to like 15 and a half so like every girl in seventh grade had boobs something growing on their butt I was like what and then high school came around and I got my boobs and I got my period and I was like looking cute and so you know remember you know when the night falls my loneliness calls you want to dance I was in band though so like I guess that didn't put me in the running for most popular you know I'd ask a guy to dance they'd dance but then they'd be like well Jessica has a car (laughs) I would like borrow my dad's 1970 Caprice classic that you had to hold the side door open if you drove it just to drive to dancing school and back but I wasn't allowed to drive it to school also because my parents needed it so that was it you know then college came around, and remember that song in college? I was in the college in the early 90s, early tw- uh, 2000s, and it was like, do you think you're better off alone? Do you think you're better off alone? See, even then, the universe was like, and I was like, yeah, I am a better off alone, but with someone, right? <laughs> My mom and dad's love story really inspires me to this day that there is someone out there um, that I can yell impulsive things with and still come home and know that no matter what, they are my dance partner. No matter how many times I've texted them and yelled at them and called them curse words and names that I want to divorce and that I want to um, throw something at their face, that no matter what, I am their someone. I am that dancer. That they dance with in the heat of the night in the grocery store looking for Cheerios. I'm trying to figure out a way to segue this into my ex-husband. Because, like, by the time I was in middle school, high school, college, you know, I turned 23 and I still hadn't had a long-term boyfriend. I was like, oh, boy, this is not good. All my cousins had boyfriends, like, from the seventh grade on. And I didn't understand why. I mean, now I do. You know, they were giving blowjobs. I was like, oh. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know what a blowjob was. I was Italian Catholic, only girl in my family, and nobody told me what anything was. They said, this is how a baby is fertilized in your belly, but we're not going to get to how that happens before. Like, like my mom told me that how a baby is born um, and made, but not really how it's made. You know what I mean? Like, like the sperm. No, she never actually really told me. Now that you think about it. She just said, there's an egg. 
Um, and then the guy has the sperm and they fertilize. And I was like, well, how does, and she never just never told me how the sperm gets into the egg. So that was a huge part of the formula that I was missing. So I didn't know how to properly finish a man. I was just like, I would pet it. Like it's a, like, it's like a, I would pet it like it's a snake. Cause I remember thinking, okay, so I'm supposed to move my hand back and forth. I'll do that for a few minutes. And then I would just sit there. And the guy would look at me and I'd be like, uh, I actually didn't even have that many experiences doing that. I remember there was one experience. I was in a car with a guy and I just kept doing it and looking to the side because I was so afraid it was going to take so long that my hand would fall off and, or I was doing it wrong. So it was like, I was on a roller coaster the first time. I just was, was looking away and doing it as fast as I could. And eventually he took my hand away and he put his shirt over it and it finished. And I was like, oh, I did it. And I felt really proud. Um, <laughs> That was a weird experience. Um, and there was one guy before that. And I just felt bad because I, I really didn't know what I was doing. And I, didn't, I was ashamed to tell people. Back in the day, like, I was just, you were ashamed to tell people the truth. I mean, people are still ashamed to do that. But I was ashamed to tell the guy, I didn't know how to do this. Can you help me? Now, at 40, I still don't know what I'm doing, but I am not ashamed to tell you. And also, this works in your favor because, you know, I just don't want to either. You know, I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm too tired to do it. So figure it out. I'm not okay. I'm okay on my divorce Yelp review. If you put she doesn't know how to finish, I'm all right with that. I'm okay with that. As long as you buy a ticket to the show, not finishing you is not a big deal anymore because you don't ever finish me. <laughs> Um, back to my parent. No, that's okay. So my family was a traditional Italian family and I became the one divorcee in the family, you know, and everybody in my family constantly, constantly will ask me, so how's the dating world's going? I shouldn't say that they constantly do that every once in a while now because it's been seven years and they're like, oh, I think she's going to be the aunt that sits at the kid's table for the rest of her life. All right, I'm going to start part two later on and we're going to come back with my co-parenting because co-parenting is great um, for people who like to co-parent and I don't really know anybody who truly likes it. Like that's such bullshit. Co-parenting cohesively. Nobody wants to co-parent with their ex-spouse. That's why they divorce them. Co-parenting sucks. It's hard. It stinks. Sometimes it smells. It's kind of like taking a shit. My And my daughter was diagnosed with ADHD. So, you know, we brought her to a specialist. You want to feel good about yourself, that you're doing something to help the quote unquote problem, you know, or like, okay, like I said, this is my culture. Stop putting me down for it. Can you imagine if they gave the entire Italian population ADHD medication? There would be no effective meals. Uh, I shouldn't say that. If they, whoever made Moonstruck was definitely missing their ADHD medication because I think that's a great story. But when the other people that I know watch it, they're like, this plot is all over the place. I was like, so that's what Italian being Italian is. Um, all right. I'm going to come back and do the co-parenting with ADHD into the single moms. I will be back after this.